0: <laughs> yeah baby. How do you like that? How do you like that? What is going on guys? Welcome to Fantasy Football Intervention. And I'm stoked to do this episode today before I get started on it. Just want to pat myself on the back. Because I told you guys, ownership for Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray Jameis Winston and Brian Hoyer would be insane insane that these were the guys that you did not want to play and guess what fucking hit I said if four out of the six guys don't end up going off then you're gonna make money because these guys were probably gonna be owned in almost every single league and if they bomb if they bomb you're gonna have, gonna knock out half of the tournament And guess what happened? Drew Brees bombed it. Matt Ryan bombed it. Briar Hoyer bombed it. Jameis Winston didn't do too hot. He wasn't winning anybody any kind of money. And then I said, make sure that you play like a Josh Allen lineup, a Daniel Jones lineup, a Sam Darnold lineup. Yes! What's up? These cheap guys, man. Nobody has faith in them. But I did. I had faith in him. I got you guys. Once again, guys, welcome in Fantasy Intervention. This is going to be a DFS episode. So if you don't like listening to annoying statistical analytics, this is not the episode for you. And it's okay. You can skip it. We'll come back tomorrow with the regular standard league, season-long league, I should say. And yeah, we'll continue that. We'll have some fun with it. But this is going to be for DFS, guys, so get excited for that. I sat down today at 11 o'clock. 11am to start doing this episode. It is now 333. Wow, 333. Cool. Um, It is now 333 and I am just now starting to record it so I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible because there is a bunch of juicy stuff in this episode. I mean I'm sitting down for four and a half hours just doing research on this stuff and it's just interesting because there's so many different implications for this game. This game has huge, huge, ramifications for the playoffs for wildcard for fantasy I mean I love it and the thing is like you can't go by previous years to break this matchup down most people would be you think it'd be easy because you could just look back at last year's stuff and this is two completely completely different teams than what it was I mean when they played Nick Mullins was the quarterback Jeff Wilson was a starting running back the Seattle Seahawks were actually reasonably good on defense Hell, Rashad Penny led the Seattle running backs in touches and fantasy points. I mean, it just wasn't, wasn't the same situation as what's going on this year with a two dominant, dominant teams, one on defense, one on offense. I mean, it's just going to be – I cannot wait to watch this game. I just can't wait to watch it. I mean, it's about time, NFL, that you put a good game on Monday or Thursday night. I mean, shit. Anyways, uh, the storylines, guys, obviously Seattle acquired Gordon, so we're trying to figure out if Gordon's going to play or not. I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't know if he is going to play, and I don't know what the situation's going to look like, but keep an eye on that. He obviously needs to be in at least one of your lineups just in case he goes off in tournament settings, and I wouldn't play him in any any cash whatsoever, but uh, it's going to be a game time decision on whether or not he's playing. He is expected to play, and he is expected to have some sort of role, but... Yeah, it's not set in stone yet. When it comes to uh, Kittle and Robbie Gold, they're both doubtful. So Dwelly, the backup tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, should be an option in a couple of different lineups because Seattle is bad up against the tight end. And then Chase McLaughlin should be the kicker who used to be the kicker for the Chargers, but we'll talk about that in a second. He should be the kicker for the 49ers if Robbie Gold does not go. The good things is that Staley's coming back on the offensive line, along with Mike McGlinchey and Kyle Hughescheck. So this running game could go absolutely insane. And yeah, the production should be better for Jimmy Garoppolo. Both teams have 16 takeaways. Seattle has seven interceptions and nine fumbles. The 49ers have 10 interceptions and six fumbles. On the Seahawks defense, they are getting back quentin jefferson so that's a positive thing for him and that actually allows us to hop over to the jimmy g side of things and the seahawks narrative on defense so far they just allow teams to pass all over them up and down the field until they hit the red zone and then they stop them in the red zone meanwhile the running game they don't let anybody run on them or put up yards on them and then when the run game gets to the red zone they just open up the gates like it's a grand opening at six flags I mean, it's pretty nuts. Like, it's the exact opposite situation for, for each one of these sides. So when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, in the San Francisco 49ers, they do run more in the red zone. They don't pass a ton. It's 46 rush attempts in the red zone and 38 pass attempts in the red zone. And don't forget, Jimmy Garoppolo is losing George Kittle. So Jimmy Garoppolo might accrue some yards, but when it comes to passing touchdowns, I don't know if it's going to be there. I mean, like I said, he lost his number one target in the red zone. And even if they get up to the goal line, he's only had one QB sneak this entire season at the goal line. So he doesn't run in the red zone. I just don't see there being a lot of scoring for Jimmy Garoppolo and acquiring points. However, last week up against Tampa Bay, he had 37 pass attempts, which is the most so far this season. He had 317 yards, which is also the most so far this season. And he had four touchdowns, which is the most of his entire career. We could end up seeing a shootout potentially in this game, and Jimmy Garoppolo It's not a strong option, I'm not in love with it, but if one of his players can break off a big play for him, you know, get that ball rolling, then yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely a starting option. And if you do end up playing Jimmy Garoppolo, then you have to be looking at Debo Samuel in this situation, because Debo Samuel has nine red zone targets and ran one time inside the red zone as well. He's now the official number two guy in that offense, took it away from Dante Pettis, the only thing that worries me is he's only seeing 15.8% of targets, but that did go up. He ended up having seven targets last week after averaging only four targets per game. So we should see Debo Samuel take on a more acquired role. My favorite part about Debo Samuel, though, is although he only sees that 15.8% of targets so far this season, he sees a whopping 24.3% of his team's targets in the red zone. That's insane. That's awesome. That's like DeAndre Hopkins level. I absolutely love this guy for this game. He should see uh, some Trey Flowers. And Trey Flowers is a good cornerback. The only thing is Trey Flowers lacks burst and agility, which is what Debo Samuel has to his advantage. So I could see Debo Samuel having a huge game this week. I'm not saying that he's a lock for me and I'm playing him in every single lineup, but he's definitely going to be in more than a few of them. When it comes to Emmanuel Sanders, his running mate, He led the team in targets and snaps this past week out of the wide receiver core. He ended up going seven for nine for 112 yards and a touchdown. So he rewarded the 49ers for making that trade for him. I mean, I could see this kid being very, very special for this 49ers this year on this playoff run. He now has a TD catch in each of his first two games. And I think that they're going to keep trying to get him going up against the Seattle Seahawks. They're gonna move him into the slot, that's where he primary plays, and Shaquille Griffin does not travel to the slot. The Seattle Seahawks this season have struggled tremendously against slot wide receivers. I expect Emmanuel Sanders to have a huge game, he's going to be a lock for me. Now, we gotta go and look at the guy that he's taking work away from, which is Dante Pettis. And with George Kittle being out, do they go to more three wide receiver sets? Typically, with the 49ers, they're in two wide receiver sets with two guys on the outside. That could change this week if George Kittle is out. He's doubtful, by the way. Pettis had 115 snaps in Weeks 6 and 7. They end up going out and trading for Emmanuel Sanders, and guess what? He ends up having 44 total in Weeks 8 and 9. He had issues with dropping the ball, and he only had one week with over a 50% completion rating when targeted. That is horrible. That is probably one of the worst in the NFL. Now, if they do go to more wide receiver sets, it could increase his snap count from last week, but Kendron Bohr who only played in a few snaps last week, actually got a touchdown on his lone target. So they lean more towards Kendrick Bourne or they stick with Pettis as the third wide receiver. Richie James is the only other option there. And he only has 12 snaps with five targets so far in the season. So I'm not even gonna say that Richie James is a flyer for me. I mean, maybe if you want to take a shot on him, he's obviously gonna be extremely cheap, but I'm not gonna be playing any of Ricky James. Onto the tight end position. And like we talked about, Kittle is doubtful. We have Dwelly as the replacement. He got 52 snaps last week. He ran routes on 75% of the plays that were pass plays. It's kind of shocking that that's the guy that's replacing him because he's not athletic. But he is 6'5", 237 pounds, and he dominated that target share in college. He went to San Diego State, obviously a smaller school, but he's still got 29.6% of targets. That just doesn't really happen for tight ends in college, but it happened for him. So maybe there's just something there that I'm missing, but he is worth a potential play in a few different lineups as a flyer option. Seattle's defense isn't very good up against the tight ends. They've given up 68 targets, which is the fifth most, 591 yards, which is the third most, and four touchdowns, which is the eighth most. They're also giving up 110.6 passer rating, which is 12th in the league so far. So I think that 12 is definitely an option. And if you want to take a like a long shot flyer, you can go with their blocking tight end. Toei totally Lolo. I don't know if I butchered that. Sorry if I did. But yeah, uh, Garrett Sellick could be activated as well. So keep an eye on that. He might be worth the flyer. He's coming off of IR. He practiced with the team throughout the week. But yeah, just keep an eye and see if he gets activated. On to the running backs, and the running backs are a little bit different. Like This is what took me so long was I had to go and get some research on this and figure out why certain running backs were playing for San Francisco in certain times because it became really, really tough to try and tell. But obviously we came up with the fact that Coleman is the red zone back. We obviously have Brita, who is the receiving back in between the 20s. But the thing about that one with the Seahawks is the fact that they don't give up yards between the 20s. We talked about it earlier in the episode. They just don't give up yards like that. Mostert, if he plays, he'll actually play like whole drives. And he won't come out when he gets in the red zone. I don't know why that is, but he gets red zone opportunity as well. And then Wilson. Wilson is extremely, extremely interested in this one. And I'm going to tell you why. In the first two weeks, he had 13 red zone carries. He had five inside the five. He ended up rewarding them with four touchdowns. He's extremely, extremely effective when they want to utilize him like that. And I really like Jeffrey Wilson. He would be worth a shot in one flyer position. If I think that for some reason Breeda ends up going off, maybe Tevin Coleman isn't the same, and they want to throw Jeffrey Wilson there, I will take a shot on Jeffrey Wilson this week. The only thing that scares me off is the fact that he had five snaps over the last two weeks. Yeah, that's not pretty. That's not good. But back over to Coleman. I mean, only the Panthers... And the Packers allow more touchdowns per game to the running back on the ground. So I think you have to play Coleman. I think Coleman is a definite lock this week. But when it comes to you know, playing Matt Burita, I'm not really that turned on by it because the Seahawks are eighth best in the NFL for TDs allowed to running backs in the air per game. They stop the run between the 20s. They don't allow passing work to the running backs. That's Matt Burita. That's who he is. I'm not going to be playing very many Matt Burita lineups this week but I'm going to counter my argument with that and say that they haven't really faced that many good pass-catching running backs. And the ones they have faced have absolutely gone off against them. I mean, Alvin Kamara put up nine receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. David Johnson put up eight receptions for 99 yards. And Freeman, Devontae Freeman that is, put up eight catches for 63 yards. So they are giving up some passing work to the running back when it's a good running back. And Matt Breida is a good running back. So I don't really want to pay Matt Breida, but I might in a few lineups where I have Jimmy G and maybe Emmanuel Sanders. You know, maybe Seattle Seahawks go up and they need to to pass to catch backup. It's not going to be a, a play that I play often, but I could play it from time to time. Obviously, we talked about Chase McLaughlin. I think I said that right. He hit six and nine earlier this season with the San Diego Chargers before they cut him. Uh, Those misses that he did have were over 40 yards, but he also made a couple 40-yarders, I believe, or at least one, and then he also made a 50-yarder as well. So he could be an option there, primarily because of the fact that the 49ers... Haven't been great in the red zone like we talked about. I mean, they've been okay, but they haven't been great. And Robbie Gould would actually have a way better season so far if he was healthy. I mean, he's missed seven kicks so far this season. I mean, without them scoring as much as they should be, it just makes you respect that defense that much more. So if you have an option to play a defense, I'm not scared of Russell Wilson necessarily. I think that you can play that option because I think that the 49ers going up and Russell Wilson having to pass is a thing. I mean, the 49ers are sacking players. It's a big, physical, defensive line. I mean, they're, they're strong in the middle, they're tall on the outsides, and they're fast on the edges. Yeah, I mean, this is a recipe for a huge game from the 49ers. I know the 49ers haven't played a great schedule, but I think that this week you can still play it in hopes of a couple turnovers, which Russell Wilson doesn't normally do, but it could happen. Now, on to Russell Wilson. He's obviously the top-ranked quarterback in the NFL. However, San Francisco is the second-ranked versus quarterbacks. I mean, 49ers, don't get me wrong, they haven't faced great quarterbacks. I mean, the best quarterbacks they have faced are Goff, Murray, and Winston. Only Kyler Murray and Andy Dalton put up 20-plus points against them. It's going to be a little bit of a tough task for Russell Wilson. The 49ers have won every game except for two by nine points or more, even though we... Sit there and we think, oh man, this could lead to garbage time for Russell Wilson. 49ers don't let up. Even with all that garbage time, they have four games with three or less points allowed. They have one game with eight points allowed. And they have one game with negative two points allowed up against Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker Mayfield scored negative two. The thing about the Seahawks is when they can't run, they pass. And they pass a lot. And when they don't need to pass you get subpar games from Russell Wilson. 28 or less pass attempts, he scores 16.6 points or less in three out of those four games. If he passed for 33 or more attempts, in five out of six of those games, you got 24.2 points. You just have to hope that they have to pass. And San Francisco started out the year great up against running backs, but the past two weeks, running backs have absolutely destroyed them. And then Peterson still look good as well. So for Russell Wilson, I'm just hoping that the San Francisco 49ers, you know, try and load up that box. I doubt that they do. They're probably going to focus on, you know, blitzing from the outside. So that allows Chris Carson to have an excellent game, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But Russell Wilson for me is not a lock for a roster spot. Now I will be playing Russell Wilson in certain lineups that I play Jimmy G in as well. And I'm going to try and stack as many you know, air yardage guys as possible, but yeah, Russell Wilson, he's not a lock for me to play with him and Chris Carson, in the same lineup. And then the Chris Carson can have a great game. I'm not sold on Russell Wilson playing like he has his schedule has been pretty easy as well. And the San Francisco 49ers, they're actually the best defensive team in the red zone. They're only allowing 31.25% of drives to finish in touchdowns. That's insane. Now, My counter argument to that is Seattle so far this season is actually the fourth best in the red zone on offense, but the past three games, they've only been hitting at 61.54% compared to their, I believe, 66% on a normal basis. What gets me excited if I'm going to play Russell Wilson is the fact that they pass so much more than they run in the red zone. 56 passes in the red zone versus 35 runs. Yeah, that's why Russell Wilson is putting up so many damn points is he's getting those touchdowns in. He's number two in the NFL in red zone attempts. He's number 40 in the NFL. Out of 40 qualifying quarterbacks, he only has two interceptable passes. He takes care of the ball. And he runs in the red zone as well. So that could be a positive thing. But the thing that scares me away from Russell Wilson the most is the fact that when he has a clean pocket, he's number one in the NFL in completion percentage. When he gets pressured, he drops all the way down to number 14 in the NFL. San Francisco is tied in fourth in the NFL in sacks and they're putting pressure on those guys. I mean, once again, we talk about easier schedules and whatnot, but still, I think that Russell Wilson could have a little bit of a tough time this week up against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if you do play Russell Wilson, you obviously have to play as wide receivers and they've been absolutely terrible up against faster guys that play in the slot as well. I mean, absolutely brutal. I mean, the fastest guy in the secondary runs a 4.47. Half the team, I mean, it, maybe all the wide receivers on the Seattle Seahawks run a faster forward than that. I mean, look at Andy Isabella last week. He, he absolutely burned him on the 88-yard catch and run. That doesn't mean that you can't play outside receivers because although the slot guys do better, the speed guys on the outside still get it in from time to time. I mean, last week, Keyshawn still got a touchdown. He plays on the outside. Richard Sherman scares me a little bit because he's the number two cornerback in the NFL. And, yeah, he doesn't have the speed, but they play a little bit more of a zone. So, yeah, Richard Sherman does scare me a little bit if he goes over to DK Metcalf's side. But if they end up lining up Richard Sherman with Dron Brown or David Moore, then DK Metcalf could end up having a huge, huge day. Sherman doesn't shadow, and he doesn't go to the slot. If he's not across from Sherman, he'll be matched up with a 5'11 Mosley, who only runs a 4'47", so I think that D.K. Metcalf could have a huge game as well, and if they are down, they're going to have to pass. Yeah, go with D.K. Metcalf. You're safe to start him as a more than a flyer. Somebody I'd probably be starting out just as much as I start Debo Samuel. On to the drawn Brown side of things. He started out the season as the third wide receiver, but David Moore is sneaking back in. He's completely outsnapped in the past couple weeks. Malik Turner, uh, he could be a healthy scratch if Josh Gordon plays. So don't try and play Malik Turner or at least check if he's out before you use him as a flyer. Josh Gordon, I don't know how they're going to use him. There's no telling. He should have a little bit of a role. So yes, I will have him in my lineups for tournaments and a couple different flyer options, but that's going to be it. Now, Hollister is interesting because he came in and I talked about him last week. I was like, you got to play this guy because he's going to outplay Luke Wilson, and he did. He outsnapped him 60 to 17, and he had two red zone targets for two touchdowns. I could see that happening again, although the 49ers, they've been pretty solid up against the tight ends so far this year. So that's not going to be a lock for me. I'm not going to be playing you know, in a lot of lineups, but he still will be in some. The 49ers have only given up like one touchdown and no more than 40 yards, so they've been pretty nuts up against the tight ends. I mean, their linebackers are fast, their ends are huge, so it's not going to be open lanes for Jacob Hollister, but I mean, you can play him in one lineup. You can also play Luke Wilson in a lineup as a flyer option. Now, 49ers up against the running backs started out awesome. I mean, they were one of the top teams in the NFL up against the running backs, but this past two weeks, they have absolutely gotten destroyed. Destroyed up against Kenyon Drake, yeah. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey, you expect that to happen. But they also allowed four yards per carry up against AP three weeks ago in a mud bowl. So I'm not a huge fan of the 49ers up against Chris Carson. I'm I'm liking Chris Carson, just to make myself clear. Chris Carson, he's worth a shot. Penny's not really playing. He only has 83 snaps in the entire season. Pro size didn't even get any snaps last week. He might've even been a healthy scratch. I mean, I could end up seeing some tremendous, tremendous potential. I'm going to be starting Chris Carson in my bonus spots in a few different leagues, and I think he could definitely, definitely hit. Jason Myers, for me, is an actual play this week. And you know I hate kickers, but he is a play. And that's all because of the 49ers' red zone defense. Now they're the top in the NFL. You could end up playing Jason Myers as a shot for a kicker. And then the defense, I'm not playing them. They forced nine forced fumbles, and they recovered nine fumbles. That's not good. I mean, that's great, but that's going to regress. They're the fourth worst in sacks in the NFL. They have 15, but nine of those 15 came in two games up against terrible offensive lines. Yeah, I'm not playing the Seattle defense. I think that they're going to get torched, and the 49ers should be protecting the ball in this matchup. Like I said, I expect the 49ers to go up and, yeah, just run the ball out. So... Wow,, that was a lot faster to record than it was to do all of that research. God, man, that was crazy. But yeah, guys, I want to say thank you for listening. If you guys want to listen to us on any other platform, we're going to be on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox. Yeah, get excited. If you want to follow us on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash fantasyintervention. Huge shout-out to Fantasy Football Discussion on Facebook. You guys are awesome. Keep those questions coming, and I hope you guys enjoyed that live show. That was a lot of fun for me. Last but not least, if you guys have a broken phone, you live in Virginia Beach, go to the iPhone repair store. Yeah, the iPhone repair store right there off Ferdinand Road, right next to Scotty Quicks. Tell them Fantasy Intervention sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your bill. Yeah, get excited. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and thank you for letting me intervene with your Fantasy Football Live. Switch up a stove, pick up a stove, they feelin' the way, they know I'm the go. Hey, hi, hey, hi, hey, hey, I got it made, my niggas are made, I'm getting my money, my nigga, I'm paid. The pussy is good, my credit is great, all I'm is a yacht. That's how you bang a podcast.